Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. Welcome back, everybody, to another Down to Football episode. Hope everyone's doing well. The season has finally come to an end. The Bucks go out on top. Brady wins his seventh ring. We'll get into it, go a little bit deeper into exactly what happened. First things first, I just want to say it's been a great season with COVID and everything. Getting this season done was a priority, uh, regardless to the extent of what kind of safety measures had to be taken. I'm glad that fans could be in attendance for the Super Bowl. I'm glad that they figured that out with seating arrangements and so on. The Bucks come out on top. Tom Brady, father time, undefeated, comes out with his seventh ring. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that further into the episode. But like I said, I'm just glad that this season was able to come full circle, that there were no brief interruptions, nothing that had to extend the season. I'm very happy about that as a football fan. But like I said, I hope everyone's doing well. So let's get right into this recap. So, obviously we had the Bucks versus the Chiefs in Super Bowl 55. A lot of people had the Chiefs winning. A lot of people had the Bucks winning. If you've been following my podcast, I said whoever wins the Saints, the Saints, Bucks game in the divisional round was going to win the Super Bowl. I made that very clear. I could have went against what I said when making my predictions against the Packers for the Bucks and against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl for the Bucks. But I stuck to my word. I went with the Bucks. And I was right. I feel really good about that. But let's let's go into the stats. Mahomes, not a great performance. Although I do not entire I don't I don't really blame him that much. He had no help the entire night. The poor I felt so bad for him. He went 26 for 49 with 270 yards and two interceptions. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, rookie running back, making his first Super Bowl appearance. Had nine carries for 64 yards. Averaged very well, but they just didn't stick with the run game. Fell to an early deficit, thus they had to throw more. Kelsey finished with 10 catches for 133 yards. A solid outing by him, but even even he had a couple of mishaps. I believe he had a drop. He also slipped on a really important route. It's just not a good look. Tyreek Hill, compared to his <laughs> compared to his first game against the Bucks, he was pretty much shut down in this one with only seven catches for 73 yards, and the defense was entirely lackluster with only one sack and no turnovers. The Chiefs just did not perform. Now on the flip side of things, on the winning team, we have the Buccaneers. We have Tom Brady at the helm, going for his seventh ring, wins his seventh ring, and in this performance, he had 21. Completions to 29 attempts, 201 yards, three touchdowns. Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, as people love to call him. He had 16 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. Rojo, Ronald Jones. There was a little bit of question. There was a question mark whether when he got stuffed on the one-yard line, whether Fournette should have carried that in or not. I'm okay with Rojo getting stuffed there. I'm sure Bucks fans didn't like it at first. But I think Rojo was the right call. I think he's, in my opinion, I think he's a more energetic runner. Fournette kind of, I mean, he could easily bulldoze someone, but I, I didn't mind the call. He had 12 carries for 61 yards. 
Gronk and that Brady connection back in the Super Bowl with six catches, 67 yards, and two touchdowns. And Antonio Brown finally gets his Super Bowl ring. He caught a touchdown in this game. But it was the defense who stood out in this one with three sacks, two interceptions, and numerous, numerous QB hits, tackles for losses, QB pressures, and so on. It was an overall good performance by the Bucks. No turnovers on offense. Caused havoc on defense. That's what got them the win. I do have some additional notes and some other things I'd like to talk about. So one, Mahomes and the Chiefs were badly missing their starting left tackle and right tackle. They were missing Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, two of the best at their position. That's obviously an issue, especially against a defense that has Jason Pierre-Paul on one side and Shaquille Bear on the other. And now, I'm assuming that this stat is correct. I saw it with some pretty reliable sources. I'm not entirely sure because it does sound a little, a little off. But according to what I saw, Mahomes ran 497 yards in total just to avoid the Bucks' pass rush. That's just an insane amount. Like I said, I don't know how entirely true that is, but this what what this means is that when he dropped back in the in the pocket and he was moving from side to side, twirling, spinning, trying to get away from pass rushers, I believe those are where the yards came in. 497 still seems a little high, but I'm not. But then again, it could be very well be true. Regardless, this. Guy Mahomes did actually run an insane amount of yards just to try and make plays happen. There were plays when Mahomes was twirling, running in the backfield for maybe like 30 seconds, got the ball off, receiver just couldn't catch it. There was other, I, I saw another play, This Mahomes was horizontal to the ground, still got the pass off, receiver dropped it. I mean, what, what more can you ask from him? I mean, really. I don't think this changes any perspective about Mahomes. I still think he's the face of the league. That's just how I feel. But like I said, receivers drop numerous passes. One thing I will say in the beginning of the game, I was a little annoyed because there were some questionable flags. But in the end, just the way the Chiefs were performing and the way the Bucks were performing, I don't think it would have made any sort of difference in the outcome. Some other notes I just have. Uh, regarding the Super Bowl, one, Brady won Super Bowl MVP. That's his fifth now. He has seven Super Bowl rings, and he has five Super Bowl MVPs. He's the greatest of all time. I don't know how anyone could argue against that. It's 100% true, 100% set in stone. I think he's a great. Well, actually, nothing's set in stone, but as of right now, he's the greatest of all time. He's the greatest football player to ever walk the surface of this earth. Other notes, Super Bowl halftime analysis the weekend. How did I feel about it? I thought it was very, very good. The one thing I will say, there were no guests. I don't know what, you know, because of COVID and everything, if they could have guests, but I'm marking a couple points off for no guests. I thought the sets were super creative, super creative. I loved it. I loved the transitions and everything, but in the very beginning, I think you stayed on the first set just a, just a tad too long. And then I think the best part of the whole show was the transition into his most famous song of the year. One might even consider it song of the year. Blinding Lights, it was fantastic. The choreography was great. I thought his voice sounded phenomenal overall. 
I'm going to rate it an 8.5 out of 10, which is very, very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Now we got some commercial analysis. I thought there was a good amount of funny commercials. I won't deny that. But there really wasn't one single commercial that just stood out to me. There were a couple of cringy ones. As a matter of fact, there were a handful of cringy ones that just like eh, didn't really, didn't really, you know, entertain me. I think it could have been a lot worse, but I do think it could have been better. Overall, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. We've also got our outstanding performers. We had some nice performances in the Super Bowl. Already touched on them a bit, but we got Gronk with six catches for 67 yards and two touchdowns. Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, like I said, he caused some damage. He had a 30, 135 total scrimmage yards and a touchdown. And then there were a lot of standout players on defense, but I'm just going to mark them as a whole. The Bucks defense, they just, they looked phenomenal. Again, they were playing, you know, you had Shaquille Barrett and JPP both going at it on both sides against both right and left tackles. Backups, no, like I said, no Mitchell Schwartz, no Eric Fisher. They just got it done. A lot of pressure. Todd Bowles' defense just looked amazing. Moving on, we got our postseason power rankings. Correct me, off-season power rankings, but you get what I'm saying. It's postseason, not like the actual postseason. You get what I'm saying. First, I got the Titans at 10. I don't think a lot changes with this team. They still got the solid offense. I think they might have, they might want to do some stuff on defense. There's still a couple of holes there regarding their defense against the run and defense against the pass. I think they're both middle of the pack, but neither stand out. So I think they have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of editing to do there. At nine, I got the Browns. I still think they're a good team. However, I still don't think they're the best team in their division, but couple more pieces, maybe another offensive lineman, maybe uh, another game wrecker on defense, whether it's a defensive lineman, cornerback, safety, so on. I have them at nine. I still think they're, like I said, still think they're a very good team, so I'm going to leave them there. Eight, I got the Seahawks, the team that starts out super hot, kind of goes cold for the back, <laughs> the back end of the season, and then come playoff time, they're kind of a question mark, in my opinion. I still think they're very good. They got DK. They got Tyra Lockett. They have Chris Carson if he could stay healthy. I still think that the offensive line, that offensive line always needs help. That's just me. I think the defense still has a lot of holes. I think Jamal Adams needs to come out firing next year, but I still think this is top 10 team. No questions asked. I got the Seahawks at 8. 7. I'm putting the Miami Dolphins at 7, and people might find this to be a little high. A lot of this ranking depends on Tua's progression over the offseason. I'm not entirely sold on Tua. His arm strength looked kind of weak. He looked a little uninspiring. One might say that, you know, they still need to add some pieces on offense, which I'll get to later. But the defense is still phenomenal. The coaching was great last year. Uh, I, I, like I said, I totally understand if people think I have the Dolphins too high. But this is truly where I think they rank next year. At number six, we got the LA Rams. I think with Matt Stafford, it's definitely an upgrade over Jared Goff. However, they got rid of a lot of assets in terms of draft picks. 
so they can't really beef up anywhere anymore, but they have a more competent QB. Hopefully that gets Cooper Cup and Robert Woods going a little bit more. Cam Akers did start popping off at the end of the season, so if Cam Akers remains the starting running back, I'm sure they might, if they can beef up the O-line a little bit somehow, I think that Cam Akers is going to show out next year. Their defense is still phenomenal. No questions asked. One thing I do want to bring up, real real quick, all of, I'm pretty sure most of my predictions for the player seasons awards were right, except for the exception of Defensive Player of the Year because Aaron Donald won. I'm going to put it out there. I think Aaron Donald's one of the greatest defensive players of, of all time. No questions asked. He could end up being the greatest. But this award belonged to TJ Watt. I understand why they gave it to Donald. He gets double, triple teamed every time. He's a defensive tackle, and he still puts up stats. I totally get it. But I, I totally think that this was TJ Watt's award to win. I think that they snubbed him big time. All, I'm going to give Aaron Donald credit where credit is due. No questions asked, but TJ Watt was snubbed. That's just my, my personal take. But still, on the topic of the Rams, defense is so great. They finished number one this year. I have the Rams at six. I think that's a very, very modest ranking. At number five, I got the Ravens. I think they need to do a little bit in the offseason to maybe, you know, move forward and start making progression, start hopefully making the Super Bowl. I think Lamar Jackson needs a legit wide receiver one, which I'll get to in a minute. But if he gets a legit wide receiver one and Marquise Brown is just a complimentary receiver and J.K. Dobbins comes out firing next year and the defense remains elite, I don't have any questions about that. I think they're a top five team. Number four, I got the Packers. Aaron Rodgers just won MVP. There's no signs of him slowing down. It was a brutal loss to the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship. I know Aaron Rodgers had some mixed emotions, obviously, you know, for good reasoning. But I think this team is still a top-five team. I think the defense is heavily underrated. Jair Alexander, he's phenomenal. I think they have players on the defensive line like Zadarius Smith and other guys who who can keep I think that that run defense needs to get a little bit better, but I'm sure they can touch that up a little bit. But otherwise, I still think they're a top-five team as long as they have Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Jones on the offense. Number three, I got the Bills. I love the Bills. I think the loss to the Chiefs was brutal, but I don't think it's it's life-ending. I still think this is gonna, they're going to end up being one of the better franchises for years to come. Josh Allen showed massive improvement this year, and it seems as though he can only get better. I mean, he obviously could get worse, but he's get, he's he's going at a very, very good rate right now, and I like to see that. He's he's developing. What they've done with him is fine. In order for them to, you know, make that next step, potentially make a Super Bowl, I definitely think that they have to figure out that run game because I don't think Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are it. I don't think... Uh, not, neither of them are elite. I know Zach Moss is rookie year, but I saw enough out of him to think that, no, he's not a solid running back one, and I don't think Singletary is either. The defense, the secondary is still very good. I think they have a couple of holes in terms of the run defense, but overall, I think they're 100% a top-five team. Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen had an insane connection this year. No one can take that away from them. Still a top-five team, and in this ranking, I have them at number three, giving them a top-three ranking. Number two, now I know people might hate me for this because it doesn't make sense. They just won the Super Bowl, but yes, I have the Bucs at number two. 
they were easily, I mean, not easily, but they were they were obviously the best team this year. They won the Super Bowl. But overall, I do think that the Chiefs are better. But I do have the Bucks in number two. Brady showed no, I mean, he's 43, right? And he still looks like a super young quarterback. He still has arm strength. Given that the defense is super young, but so talented in so many aspects. And they finally developed that chemistry that I said they would earlier in the season. Because in the first half of the season, they looked kind of slow, kind of just sluggish. A lot of mishaps, a lot of misconnections on offense. You know, when you bring in Antonio Brown, you bring in a new guy like Brady. Gronk's another part of the offense that was brought in. But in the end, you have Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, and so on. You've got Leonard Fournette, who also came over. You have Ronald Jones. There's a lot of talent on that offense, and it was a little dysfunctional at first. But I knew that once they found their their rhythm, then no one was going to stop them, and that proved to be right. Brady ends up beating Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes all in one season to win the Super Bowl. I mean, he's 43-year-olds, and he's doing that. No one can take away anything from him. He's the undisputed GOAT. But the reason why I had the Chiefs number one is because going down the line, this team will be the best team. They are the best team in the league. Now, is this a closer game? If left tackle and right tackle, you have Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. If they play, is there is there a difference? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he gets more time to throw. Maybe the receivers make more stuff happen. But at the same time, the Bucks game plan very well. I just think that overall the Chiefs will end up having a better record next year. I just That's just the way it goes. It's The Super Bowl winner isn't always the best team. The year after has the best roster. They just performed better. In the end, I do think that the Chiefs do have a better roster. That's why I have them at a better, at a better ranking. A lot of people might disagree, but that's just that's just how I feel. Moving on, we got our 2021 top 10 draft predictions. So with the first overall pick, the Jackson Jill, the, the Jackson Jill, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence QB Clemson. I don't think this is a debatable topic right here. I don't think that any other thing happens. The Jags got their guy, Trevor Lawrence, number one. Jets, I think they stick with their number two pick with Penai Sewell, offensive tackle, Oregon. Regardless what happens, what the Jets decide to do in the offseason, I think that no matter what, beefing up the O-line needs to happen, whether it's Sam Darnold playing QB, whether it's Deshaun Watson who might go there, who knows. They need to get a better offensive line. They need better protection. They can sign guys if they want to, but I think they take Panay Sewell. I don't think they mess up this pick. The Dolphins. I have them taking Devonta Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. I think that, like I said earlier, Tua looked uninspiring this season. I think if you give him one of his best receivers that he played with in college, that might give him a little bit of extra motivation. Devonta Smith just won Heisman. He was the best wide receiver in college football last season. I don't think the Dolphins go anywhere else with this pick. They could drop back, maybe take an offensive lineman. I think that's definitely possible. But the most legitimate pick here is taking Devonta Smith, in my opinion. With the number three pick, Devonta Smith goes to the Dolphins. Number four, Falcons. Now, I'm hearing reports Julio and Matt Ryan aren't going anywhere, and I totally believe it. 
But at some point in time, they need to draft a quarterback and let him sit behind Matt Ryan and understand, you know, how the NFL works, let him learn the system, and so on. And that's why I think they take Justin Fields here, QB from Ohio State. I don't think I don't think Justin Fields is a plug and play QB coming out of college. I think he's a guy who needs to develop. So that's why I think the Falcons take him. I still think Matt Ryan has some time in this league. I think Justin Fields is a good fit for the Falcons. Kind of fits that that Georgia narrative. I just think it it works for him. Like I said, I think sitting behind Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan is a very good quarterback. It's a shame he's never won a Super Bowl. At least he's won an MVP. But I think this is just a good situation for Justin Fields. The Bengals with the fifth overall take. Pick. The Bengals with the fifth overall pick take Jamar Chase. Apologize for that little stutter. Um, I think this makes perfect sense. Jamar Chase, LSU, wide receiver, Joe Burrow. It's the same scenario as Devonta Smith going, going to the Dolphins. Um, now, I don't think Joe Burrow looked uninspiring this year. I think he already has good weapons. But getting Jamar Chase, again, gives him a little extra motivation. They'll have that college football connection. Now, I could also see the Bengals taking an offensive lineman here. I think that's a totally legitimate thing to do. You know, protect Joe Burrow. We saw what happened to him last year. It was a brutal injury. We don't want that to happen again to him. It makes sense. So I got Jamar Chase, who I personally think is the best receiver coming out of this draft. To the Bengals at number five. At number six, the Lions move up one pick just in case I have them trading with the Eagles. I think they draft QB Zach Wilson. I don't think they stick with golf long term. I think that they're going to pay one year of his contract and then get rid of him. I don't think Jared Goff is very good. Talk about uninspiring quarterbacks. That's how I feel about Jared Goff in a Detroit Lions uniform. Zach Wilson was one of the better, one of the best college football quarterbacks this past season at BYU. Now, do, if they draft Zach Wilson, are they immediate contender? Obviously not. They still have a lot of holes to fill. We don't know what's going on with Kenny Galladay. That whole defense is abysmal. So we'll see what happens. But to take the stepping stone, and, they, and they've gotten a bunch of picks in that Matt Stafford trade. Also, I don't know if I talked about it, but Matt Stafford was traded to the Rams in exchange for what was it two first round picks and some other picks and Jared Goff was a part of the deal it was just a whole crazy thing that happened I wasn't expecting the Rams to go out and get Matt Stafford but I think that the Lions obviously don't stick with Jared Goff go with Zach Wilson at six trade up get their guy simple as that Lions number six Zach Wilson Eagles now there's a whole dilemma with what Carson what's happening with Carson Wentz and you know you got Jalen Hurts there and all that but if Wentz is traded, I truly think that they go with Jalen Waddle, wide receiver from Alabama. Now, I'm not sure that Hurts and Waddle played together. Someone could let me know. I'd appreciate that. But a lot of people think, and a lot of analysts think, that overall, Jalen Waddle is the best receiver in this entire draft class. He's the most polished. People think that Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase are more explosive when they have the ball. But the and I'll, and you know what? That's very, very true. But the thing with Jalen Waddle is he's nearly, not quite the same level as explosive, but he's just, he's more NFL ready, as people would say. And I think that the Eagles, I think that Jalen Rigor was an awful pick last year. He still has time to develop, and he could end up being good. But that was an awful selection last year with who they had for options. 
Sorry, Eagles fans, got to put it on the table. I don't think Jalen Rickor is that good. So I think they got to make up with that by picking an Alabama wide receiver. So Jalen Waddle, number seven to the Eagles. With the eighth overall pick, I have the Panthers taking Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida. Now, a lot of people might think, oh, well, the Panthers need to draft a future quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think I don't think Teddy Bridgewater, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I loved him on the Saints. Great guy, great personality, everything. But I don't think this year's the year to go looking for another quarterback. I think they take Kyle Pitts. Just think about this offense in its entirety with Kyle, with Kyle Pitts there. You got Teddy Bridgewater playing quarterback. You got Chris McCaffrey, who's insane, playing running back. You got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who are very solid wide receivers. And then you add an one of the better tight end prospects in recent memory to the mix. That's a lethal offense. Absolutely lethal. Now, the Panthers defense, there's a, little, a lot of holes that they could easily fill with this pick. They could go with somebody like Michael Parsons to, to lead the linebacker core. They could take another cornerback like Caleb Farley. But I think they go with Kyle Pitts. That they would have an unstoppable offense, and maybe if they could spend some cash on some defensive pieces, they could be a surprise team next year. Now with the ninth overall pick, I have Mike Parsons going to the Broncos. I think that they don't have... Now the Broncos' defense isn't that bad. I don't think it's that great either. I think it's it's above average for sure. It's never been truly awful. But they need a guy who can set the tone. And Von Miller's future is kind of up in the air. There were some scandals, some question marks about some things he was doing. But I think they need to just get that, that center stone piece that just that just stands out. And I think that Michael Parsons is heavily underlooked. Linebacker from Penn State. We've had a lot of linebackers from Penn State be good. Very solid at the very least. So I think the Broncos, just based off of talent, that's left on the board. I think they could. Dra- I think they could drop back, maybe grab a, an offensive lineman, rack up some picks. But I think Michael Parsons would be a solid choice in this at number nine. So the Broncos pick Michael Parsons at number ten. I got the Cowboys taking Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech cornerback. Cowboy, where to start? The Cowboys defense is awful. There's a, a run defense is terrible. Secondary awful. They have young players, but none that truly stand out. You could say Trayvon Diggs, who, who tightened it up a little bit towards the end of the season, but in the beginning of the season, he was getting burnt repetitively over and over and over again. But I think you, add, uh, like I said, where to start. Caleb Farley, based off talent left on the board, I think he's the next best overall. Taking a cornerback, not a bad pick here. I don't think the Cowboys have any notable cornerbacks that are even half decent. So, there's not much to say about this one. Caleb Farley, cornerback, Virginia Tech. I think that he just fills a cornerback need for the Cowboys, and he could end up being a very solid piece. Moving on to our last part of this episode, we just got some questions that the offseason may address. So, biggest questions of the offseason. Number one, does Brady compete for one more? Now, I'm going to give short answers for these questions. Yes, obviously. I don't think Brady's retiring. I think he's obviously thinks, you know, he's uh, he's still performing at a high level. Yes, he's going to compete for another one. Does Jameis Winston take over as Saints QB? Now, there have been reports that he will be in the reins to take 
over Drew Brees' spot as the Saints quarterback. My thoughts, I totally agree, and I hope it happens. Number three, where does Deshaun Watson go? It's kind of a mystery. We've heard a lot of mixed reports. 49ers, Jets, even the Dolphins have been thrown in there. In my opinion, I think he goes to the Jets. I think the Jets make sense for him. I think that they have money to spend. I think that they can go grab another wide receiver, which I'll be getting to in a sec. I think they can go grab another receiver, give Watson some targets. If they can keep that second overall pick, or even drop back in the draft and somehow get Watson. Or I don't know how it would work, but they still need offensive linemen because I don't think Deshaun Watson wants to go from a team with no offensive line to another team that has no offensive line. But they have the money to spend. They could grab a wide receiver. They could grab a lineman if they need to. They can trade for Deshaun Watson, and then they can get things moving. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think the Jets is the most suitable place. Where does Carson go? Where does Carson Wentz go? Now, there's a difference between where I think he should go. or where. Let me restate that. There's a difference between where I think he needs to be and where he will end up. I think where he will end up is the Bears. They've clearly shown the most... They've given the most options. They, wanna, they seem like they really want to get him. I think it, it's weird. I don't know why the Bears would want him. I don't. I think they kind of need to look towards the draft, maybe, or get like you know make a serious push for Deshaun Watson. I don't think Carson Wentz really fits there that often. I think where Carson Wentz needs to play is the Colts. I think the Colts is the perfect scenario. They have an established run game, something they haven't had in his time in Philadelphia. They've got Jonathan Taylor. Like the, back to what I was saying, established run game. Jonathan Taylor, he, he's going to be good. Jonathan Taylor is going to be very, very good. He started going crazy at the end of the season. If they give him the carries the whole season, he'll be fine. Target-wise, they got Michael Pittman, who's a young emerging receiver. T.Y. Hillen isn't retired yet. He could still be a contributor. They could definitely look in the draft for maybe a, you know, there there could be a solid wide receiver somewhere in there. That, that would be good for Wentz. But the biggest thing with Indianapolis is just the offensive line that he needs. With the Eagles, he's dealt with second, third string quarterbacks, second, third string offensive linemen like crazy. He had a former rugby player blocking in front of him, Jordan Malata. No, nothing against him. He was actually doing fine. But it just goes to show the extent to which the Eagles' offensive line was decimated. So, but the Bears, you know, they don't, they got some pieces. Like, we don't know if Allen Robinson, and again, I'll get to that. We don't know if Allen Robinson is going to stay or go. We'll see. But where do I think Wentz goes? I think he goes to the Bears, unfortunately. But I think the best place for him to go is the Colts. Number five, Julio and Odell. Are they leaving or staying? I think that Julio will be a Falcon for life. Unless they get an absolutely absurd offer at his age. I've... I just don't see him going anywhere. I don't see the Falcons owner. I don't think I don't think the front office will let him leave. I think he stays with the Falcons. Odell, I think there's potential for for trade. I could see him going to a place like hmm. 
I think there's a lot of places that I, I, I saw maybe he could potentially go to. Like, I could see him on the Colts with Wentz potentially, but that's kind of a stretch. But I could see a reasonable team that really needs another, just a number one. And I have nothing against Terry McLaurin, but the football team, the Washington football team, I think him and Odell would make a seriously fanatical duo. They would be great. But in the end, my answer is that Julio and Odell will both be staying put where they are. I don't think either of them gets traded. That's it for me. I got one last question, and it's not, are you down to football? We're not quite there yet. Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay, where do they sign and why? So in all honesty, I don't know which one, but one of them is going to go to the Jets. I think that they they're gonna the Jets are gonna get go out and spend a lot of money on a good established receiver. I think both of these guys are established. I think Kenny Galladay just a little bit less because he has got he got injured for the majority of this season, but I think the Jets will spend some money on one of these guys. I think. If Kenny Galladay goes to the Jets, then Allen Robinson remains with the Bears. If Allen Robinson goes to the Jets, then Kenny Galladay goes to the Bears. Or, not the Bears, stays with the Lions. It's either it's either they go to the Jets or they stay. That's how I see it happening. But those are the six biggest questions of the offseason in terms of like free agency and players and so on, futures. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I had a little couple of little mess ups in here, a couple of little stutters. I'm feeling a little not sick, but I'm stuffy today. It's the day after the Super Bowl. I got to record. I'm very tired from watching that game. But I just have one last question for you guys Are you down to football?